And now another episode of Mind Escape with Michael and Maurice. Take it away, Michael. All right, folks, welcome back to Mike and Maurice's Mind Escape. We have episode number 45 today, uh, DMT Entities with Jack from Trip Whip. What's going on, Jack? Not much. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Maurice has the night off for the first time. Uh, it was his lady's birthday tonight, so uh, shout out to Emma. Happy birthday. And uh, let's get into it here. So uh, what got you into making your own movies after you have had these groundbreaking experiences with you know different substances, DMT, LSD, psilocybin, whatever's, you know, all the right. different ones? Um. I think for me, uh, it's probably a combo of uh, wanting someone to talk about it with and um, also wanting to change people's view on it, um, I think, uh, on taking psychedelics, that is. Um, when the video started, when I did my trip report on DMT, it was at a point where um, I didn't really have many people to talk about this stuff with. Um, the, the close, like I, I would say the closest of my friends um, definitely wouldn't um you know engage me in this sort of conversation so i was talking to the dudes who were dealing me the stuff basically about it and they weren't they weren't into it in the same way i was they were more of take it watch some tv and kind of um not really focus on that sort of the 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 way it can either benefit your life or just the way it can alter your philosophies on life and um that's that's why i took to youtube i think think it's like okay i've got a an opinion about it and i i I don't know if i'm crazy or not because i there's no one i can talk to about this really so let me just put it out there and see what other people think about it um but yeah then obviously it got um some of the things i started doing were getting a, a quite a bit more views than i was expecting so um after that i thought well maybe you know i i also want to to show people that it is something that you don't have to be ashamed of um, because even though I was always taking psychedelics in a way that I couldn't um, talk about with my friends or whatever, and they would actually kind of shut it down when you try to bring it up because it's, it, it was kind of uncomfortable. It's like, hey, uh, Jack's taking psychedelics by himself. I'm actually pretty worried for him, you know. And mm-hmm. so uh, I wanted to just kind of tell people that, hey, it's, it's really okay. Like, you just got to be in tune with what's good for you. And um, actually taking psychedelics probably did some of the best um, work on myself um that i've ever kind of gone through in my life yeah awesome yeah i know your one video's got over a half a million views so like you uh, said not, not quite but uh, <laughs> I, I mean i i thought i thought i said five hundred thousand or something the main one the dmt one i think that everybody's seen where you're talking about the machine elves um I, you know i don't know what it says on your end of things but uh it might be i haven't checked it for a while but it, 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 it <laughs> yeah it might be more than i was expecting <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I know the comments are all pretty favorable too. I know sometimes the, the comment sections like, a, a a walk of shame, if you're just looking through that, if it's your own channel or whatever, but, um, everybody says that, you know, this is good information. This is something I've experienced. This is something I've thought about. Um, so, and like you said, some people just took it initially as a party drug or as just recreational or whatever. I mean, look, I know when I was in high school, um, we were using, you know, I've never done DMT, but most of the other hallucinogens we used, um, 
pretty re- not recklessly like we weren't doing anything terrible but just in the sense that we weren't using them as the powerful tools that they are it was just more like oh cool patterns or yeah, you know flowing yeah. carpet and you know like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff so um but you know and then when we started becoming musically inclined me and my cousin and a couple of friends and stuff it really became understood as more of a powerful tool when you're doing like you know music or art or different things like that mm-hmm. um but I think, you know, what drew me to your video initially, like I told you, is I had, um, even though I've never done DMT, from what you described, I felt like I knew what you were talking about through some of my meditation um, sessions. Um, and I can sometimes I meditate for over an hour, a couple hours. So um, if I have time, that is. Uh, but yeah, it just really resonated with me, the what you were talking about, like the... The, the oneness and then the lifting of the veil in terms of we're all kind of this one thing that we trick ourselves into thinking that we are these separate entities, if you will. So if you want to talk right. about that. Of course. Well, I mean, this is something that I've had to go back and forth with in my own mind because, um, you know, I've had this conversation with a lot of people who haven't taken psychedelics and the stance is pretty firm that um, uh, your experience of the outside world is the real world. You take some psychedelics and you... Um, enter the realm of delusion, so to speak. And um, I was like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, it's actually hard to say because I'm arguing with your perspective with a different ex- perspective, and there's no way I can actually mediate between um, or say, you know, one perspective is better than the other. I know that when, I'm ta- when I've taken psychedelics, I personally feel that that perception of reality is more authentic than this one. Um, and I think that's because... I think that's because, you know, it's, <laughs> it's hard to explain. I think maybe, you know, it's the fact that there's so much that we can't account for in life. And there's these things I've talked about in the video, like synchronicities and um, all those sorts of things. And that can be, seemingly, that can be explained um, for, uh, explained in the psychedelic experience. And, um, that, and that's why I'm more inclined to believe that side of life. I, I look, at it, look at it like this. I think like um, all these different perspectives that we take are kind of like um, video game narratives. And in the back of our mind, we have this consciousness, which is kind of the player. And it's harnessing itself through specific um, organic wiring to have a very unique experience. Um, but this experience is by no means an objective experience. And just by simply altering your perception and uh, altering the chemi- uh, chemicals in your mind, you can um, alter your genuine perception of reality. And, you know, if you haven't taken psychedelics, that doesn't mean much. It's like, oh, yeah, well, I drink a lot of alcohol and my perception of reality changes. Not in the same way. Alcohol is poison, bro. Let's just face it. <laughs> Seriously, no, alcohol is, is straight up poison. I, I, I don't. I think that the more and more studies that come out, you'll see uh, there used to be an old study that one glass of wine a day was good for you. Now they're saying they're, they just came out saying, no, that's wrong. Any amount of alcohol is bad for you. Um, so in my opinion, I know people are going to drink, drink, have fun, do whatever you're going to do. Uh, but don't pretend it's not worse than smoking weed or, you know, doing some of these other things. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, I think, um, a lot of people in the psychedelic community do rip on the government because of the ways they uh, well, govern 
our life and basically legalize the use of something that's poisonous to our body, uh, but criminalize something that, um, well, at least in, I know in my personal experience, can uh, totally uh, save you in a way and can put you on a, an incredible path and give you poetic insights into life. Um, but I guess I don't think the government has such a bad outlook. I think they're just... A, there's people in power and people in power don't want to lose their power and they're probably um, you know their power is uh, dependent on this very specific perspective that we all maintain um, because it puts us in a position of wanting to make money because it makes us insecure we feel very uh, we identify strongly with our own self and our own body and we feel very strongly about um, our image and uh, that's that's and that's why we spend so much money oftentimes just because we we want to alter our image not for ourselves we're not spending often in the case anyway we're not spending money on things that um can help us i think you nailed it what you just said though is it's more of a place it comes from a place of ignorance not that they're ignorant people or whatever just that they're ignorant to these things which you kind of have to be if you're you know representing the public you can't be Taking DMT, I mean, I guess you could, but, you know, in terms of you have to be one of the more responsible people from that regard. So I I understand what you're saying with that. I think part of the why people get pissed, though, is, you know, if you look at, like, weed, like, weed should just be legal. All right. I mean, it it is becoming legal. I know my home state where I grew up in Michigan just passed it for recreational use over 21 years old, um, and that had a huge... um, impact in helping me with my OCD too through the extract like CBD and THC oils and different things like that. Um, in the past, those have helped me. So, um, you know, it's, it's just, it comes from a place of, like I said, like ignorance, it's not necessarily malicious. I think people get in their heads, Oh, they're out to fuck us or, you know, I think it's, that may be the case for some people, but I don't, as a group, I don't think that that's the case. Um, but, um, what you said too about um, being ashamed of it too, like I think that's an important thing too. Like I said, I told you before on air, and people can watch other episodes where I talk about how I use plant medicine to get over my OCD and how it helped me when conventional medicine and CBD, ther- CP, uh, CBT therapy, um, and prescription, you know, SSRIs and all those uh, absolutely let me down. I had severe, severe depression and OCD, um, so I think not being ashamed to try things that are natural that have helped people, you know, whether they're indigenous people or whatever, there's people that have been using these things since the beginning of time. Um, but uh, I think that's, that's a major, um, that's a major revelation there about, you know, not being ashamed. Because like you said, even now that you say that about your friends, I can't, you know, I couldn't have talked about this shit with my friends when I was in, college or whatever they'd be like what the fuck are you talking about you know yeah yeah yeah. no that's exactly right and um you know this that's going to happen when you criminalize something because well i guess in 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 a a way i I, i'm it makes me a criminal you know and there's no way i think about what i'm doing as something that makes me a criminal um but in a sense you know i am and um and that's it's not a nice thing, I guess. <laughs> Weed's still very- federally illegal in the United States yet. I think the latest polls, 60 or 70% of people do it. So that means yeah. over, over half the population's <laughs> breaking the law constantly. So, I mean, who, yeah. you know, yeah, it, exactly. it's crazy. Yeah, it is. And, um, 
that's why I think it's really important to know that you, you just got to be comfortable with doing what you want to do as long as you've got the best interests in for yourself. Um, but it's because it's, it's awesome what you're saying, how, you know, I think it was with mushrooms helps you with your OCD. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I personally know that psychedelics help me with, uh, especially LSD, help me with quite a bit of anxiety. And um, they do that for you. And they do it in a magical way. I was listening to a, um, a lecture by Jordan Peterson, and he was talking about psychedelics. And he mentioned how um, um, there was a study done where they gave um, a heroic dose of like five grams or more of mushrooms to these uh, people who are dying of cancer. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's, there's, they're not going to survive. They were pretty locked into the fact and they were um, technically majorly depressed um, because they were not comfortable with death coming for them, um, and like, as most of us aren't. And um, they, they took five grams of mushrooms and the results were just unprecedented. You know, they, would, they never expected these results that were basically that they just became totally okay with what, was, what they were at. And they went from being um, clinically depressed to being um, whatever fine is referred to as. And um, then they also talked to them about six months later, and um, I think about 70% of them were in the same place. They were still um, okay. And, you know, 30% of them had become depressed again. But um, still, that's, I thought that's crazy results. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. I actually. Oh, sorry. Go, no, on. go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say the FDA just uh, approved uh, trials for psilocybin too for depression, and yeah, and I think California. I know Peter Thiel, the guy that was behind uh, the major investments in Facebook and uh, PayPal and stuff. Um, I think he's been trying to promote that too for some. I, I don't know what his you know background is with that, but I know he's been trying to get that passed as well. So. So it's yeah. so important. But, like, that's the other thing as well. And I think this is why quite a few people do become a little ashamed of taking psychedelics because it is also associated with problems. You know, it's like take psychedelics because it's a medicine. It's like taking antidepressants or something like that. And um, I think that's also the case to be made is that that's not necessarily true. Um, psychedelics are like Swiss Army knives of drugs. They can like serve so many purposes, and um, yep, they can absolutely uh, help you with self-healing. Um, they can also give you a very powerful recreational experience. Um, not that I would use that use them in that way um, specifically, but you know they can. And um, also, if you meditate on psychedelics, they can just give you, uh, or if you take a high dose of them, they can give you experiences which are totally. I think contradict probably most of your notions of what reality are. And, um, you know, that may not help your anxiety. That may not help your depression or whatever. Maybe it will, but it might also just be, uh, fucking awesome for like <laughs> the experience itself. And, uh, just putting you in a state of awe, like, you know, psychedelics, they can be used in any, any, all sorts of ways. And just because you're using them doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. No, and I like I said, I think that's important to point out. But let's let's also point out they are powerful tools. Oh, yeah. People shouldn't just be taking these. If you've never done these things, don't just take them. You should do heavy research. If you have any mental, like for me, I knew what my mental status was. I was familiar with these substances already. Um, I knew, you know, I know if people are borderline schizophrenic, you should not be taking this stuff. If you have seizures, you should not be taking this stuff. Um, 
you know, I know CBD helps seizures, but don't be taking psychedelics. I, I think it has a, a huge negative impact on your mental health and will maybe even push you even further yeah. into that. So uh, these are powerful tools. They should not be taken by just anybody. Um, I just wanted to point that out because I think sometimes it does get lost and, oh, you know, you know, they're perfect for everybody and everybody should take them. I don't think that's the case. I think you have to be mentally prepared for these substances. That's why if you go to the Amazon, if you're going to do an ayahuasca ceremony, they make you do a special diet. Um, you know, they call it the purge for a reason. Um, and a lot of these people, um, you know, there, there's a whole ceremony attached to it that prepares you for that moment when you actually do it. Um, and I think that's why a lot of those cultures don't have the kind of drug addiction that, you know, some of the more, you know, Western cultures, if you will, will, because Western society, people just take things because they have money or time or whatever, and they don't really, you know, they don't look at it like a tool or something powerful. And I think, yeah. you know, the, uh, some of the indigenous cultures do a good job of relaying that these things are powerful tools. So I think, um, whatever reason you're using psychedelics for, one of the most important things um, to come into the experiences uh, with respect, um, a lot of respect for the uh, psychedelics. Um, because if you don't, and you know, people know this, uh, um, it, will, it will humble you. And to be humbled by psychedelics in a high dose especially is, is not a, it's not a fun experience. Um, and that's also the cool thing about psychedelics is it's kind of hard to abuse them um, because it kind of, I think it attaches itself in a very strong way with your subconscious. It kind of sometimes, it brings your subconscious uh, thoughts to your conscious awareness. And um, in the subconscious is a knowing of what you're doing to yourself and a knowing of who you are in a deeper sense than your conscious self. So if you take a psychedelic in the wrong ways and you're taking psychedelics to abuse um, the um, euphoria and things like that that it gives you and not dealing with the, the things in your life that are causing uh, your, you your sadness and you the um, inclination to you know run and escape to euphoria from drugs that's going to be made aware to you and you know your subconscious knows that why you're using the drugs and all of a sudden if you're taking this LSD to have a great time because life's shit otherwise then you know next thing it's going to be like hey you're not doing the right thing and it's going to hit you hard in that way so that's what I like about psychedelics as well because that happened to me too um, I got a bit lost um, on, my, on my path I think and psychedelics um, had to kind of punish me a little bit to put me on the straight and narrow again. Oh, absolutely. And I know um, a couple of years ago, I took a, a big break from smoking and vaping and different things. Um, and the first time I took a hit of weed after that, it was like, holy fuck. I felt like I was on a psychedelic, you know? So um, I think sometimes you can build up tolerance to some of these things too um, and forget how powerful they actually are. I know that on what is it? The, uh, one of the Graham Hancock episodes on Joe Rogan, he talks about going to the Amazon, having an ayahuasca experience and the, uh, ayahuasca, uh, female entity telling them you're smoking too much. That's why you're paranoid. That's why, you know, so, um, I do think that that is important to keep, keep yourself in check too. So you're not overusing any of these substances that moderation is the best key for anything. Totally. And you got to know why you're using these. You don't want to joke kid yourself. Um, which I was doing first when I started taking psychedelics because it kind of gives you this big sense of like maybe productivity or something as well. 
because it's like, um, well, it floods you with all these positive thoughts. And it's like, hey, you're, you know, you're good and you can do this and you can do that and um, don't be scared of anything. And then you're sober again and, and you know, your normal um, thinking parameters come back and it's like, okay, I'm actually still scared of that thing. And, you know, <laughs> so you're like, well, I take these drugs because it improves me. And it's like, you know, sometimes it does just change you like that. And, but most of the time, it changes you temporarily. And you have to do the work yourself to get back there. And it just shows you that you don't have to be afraid of something. But then when you sober up again, more likely um, than not, you are going to be still afraid of that. But you have to just kind of reason yourself out of that fear and say to yourself, well, look, I took that psychedelic and it told me I don't have to be. So I know I don't have to be. Let's just, you know, let's brace ourselves and confront this fear. You have to put in the work. And um, that's, I think a lot of people don't respect psychedelics in that way. They just think it will cure them without them having to do um, any of the work themselves. That's just not the case. No, and, you absolutely uh, have to do the work too. And I yeah, think yeah. if you use it and then I think most of the work comes after it's the feeling that you get afterwards where it's like, I don't want to do that again for a while. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, like if it's an intense you know, journey, then you, you shouldn't want to do it like, Oh, I got to do it again tomorrow. You should not want to do it again for a while. And it should give you insight on what you need to be doing in your life to fix. You know, I know when I have an intense journey or in the past when I have, um, it's shown me like, what are you doing? You got to do this. You got to do this. This is out of order. This, you got to fix this. Um, and when I'm done, I feel like, Oh man, fuck. I just like somebody, something ripped me apart, you know? And it's just, you got to kind of pick the pieces back up and, you know, fit them back together. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, um, that's often the case. And that's the problem is, um, uh, that's why psychedelics, uh, can be scary for some people as well. Cause a lot of people don't want to know their shit. They don't want to see what's wrong in their life because then they're more inclined to have to go fix it. <laughs> That's and it's, true. It's, yeah, it's, it's not fun to have to fix this shit. Like, it, it's, there's a reason why we're not dealing with it when we're sober. It's because it's fucking hard work. Um, but, you know, um, I think you've got to keep that in mind when you're taking psychedelics as well is that, um, um, yeah, if you really want to utilize its um, medicinal properties, um, uh, and at least it's mental health um, uh, healing properties, then, yeah, you are going to have to put in a lot of effort. Um, but, you know, and that said, like everyone is different, and I do know people take psychedelics for different reasons than me, and I respect that, you know. Like uh, I, I, I can't say myself I would adv advocate using psychedelics for recre recreational uses, um, use because it can kind of take the joy out of life in a sense because, you know, like you would just be in a really beautiful scene. And, and I used to do this quite a bit, actually, I'd be somewhere really beautiful. Like I'd go traveling and I just think to myself, man, I wish I was on acid right now. Cause <laughs> you know, it would look awesome. And, um, I guess I didn't realize as well at the time that, um, really what LSD was doing, um, was showing me a way to appreciate life that I wasn't at the time. And I didn't have to depend on the LSD to see life in that way. Um, so right now it's, it, you know, I did trip quite recently with my girlfriend, but, um, other than that, I have not been smoking weed. I've not been, um, taking psychedelics, uh, frequently at all. It's been pretty rare my use now. And I find that my appreciation for life has probably been higher than ever before. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. I haven't, I mean, I haven't used, look, I did a few heavy sessions 
you know, five, six years ago or something. And I haven't needed to, or wanted to since, um, I did enough of it when I was younger. I did a lot to the point where it's like, I don't ever need to do this again, you know, but then when I had these, you know, depression and OCD things hit me in my early twenties, it was something that I revisited out of desperation, um, because of my situation. But, um, yeah, I think it's important to, uh, put it in perspective and, and keep it moving. You know, you don't always need it. I, some of my best days now are days that I just meditate and go to work and I just feel great, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and that was the funny thing with sucks. Like, um, I think a reason why I stopped using them as well is because I was like, I really want to respect these drugs and not depend on them for helping myself. Like I want to learn how to help myself. And, um, recently I'd been going through kind of a bit of a struggle without even realizing it. And then I took the LSD and it kind of, you know, showed me the path to getting where I want to go. And I realized it's, it's not a case that these drugs are like cheat codes. It is, you know, quite often the case that we really don't want to see the path to helping ourselves because um, it's, it's actually pretty easy to ignore it. And um, I, I think, yeah, and I think you have to go through some hard stuff to put, you, put yourself in the place where you want to be um, quite often. So it is kind of balanced. It's like psychedelics will be like, hey, yeah, you can get to where you want to go. You can get yourself out of these problems. You just have to take this route. And like a lot of people would find it hard to believe that it's that simple that psychedelics can do it. And it's like, no, they, they really can do that. Um, but the reason why everyone who takes psychedelics isn't exactly there even after seeing it um, is because it's, it's, it's not as easy as it feels in psychedelics. Um, yeah, like you said, it's not a cheat code. You, you, it's not a cheat you code. have to have the introspection or introspective thinking on top of the actual experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, yeah, you know, and um, it's cool that I took the break, though, because like you, I smoke weed as well after a long time of, um, of not smoking. And, man, it was like a whole new drug. Um, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, like I decided to meditate on it as well. And um, uh, I tried it since, and I didn't have the same result. But when I, when I did this time, it was like a... Um, really intense psychedelic experience. It was like um, the sense of epicness with extremely um, intense visuals. Like uh, I'd never had anything like that for a week before. Um, so yeah, like whatever you, your intent in these drugs are, chances are that's probably the experience you'll get. Like even weed, even weed can um, can give you a surprisingly psychedelic experience. I think sometimes. Yeah, I know my one buddy has been looking into this thing called default mode network, which is what your brain does on certain psychedelics that, that dissolves your ego, if you want to call it that. Or, But the one study he presented was the one with marijuana that they, they did, which it actually promotes ego within that mode. So I found that interesting because people do just smoke it and don't even think about it. They just, oh, I'm going to smoke and watch my favorite show or I'm going to smoke yeah. and do this, but it is another one of these things that we're talking about. It's just not as intense, you know, it doesn't grab you. You know, if you do DMT or LSD or mushrooms, you're, you're going to be occupied for a while smoking yeah. weed. You know, you might be high for an hour or two, but usually, you know, wears off pretty easily. Right, right. And, and you know, I think, um, uh, I know with me, um, meditation, uh, taught me a way to make a psychedelic experience more t- intense. Um, so, you know, when I started off in psychedelics, I could, uh, you know, I remember a candy, the first day I ever meditated on psychedelics was a candy flip. 
and um, that was with two tabs of acid and uh, MDMA. And it was also one of the first candy flips I did. And, you know, it was a pretty cool meditation, no doubt about it. But I'd say now, if I meditated on one tab or even half a tab of acid, I'm going to have a more intense experience than that time. Um, and I think it's because you learn to let go more and you learn how to become more comfortable with the experiences you have and you just hold on less to your ego and, and to this physical reality you're familiar with. And so that can also happen on weed as well. You know, weed opens up a little bit of that psychedelic porthole. And if you can just let yourself go in meditation, it will suck you in like all the other psychedelics and, and give you that full blown like, holy shit experience. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. No, I a hundred percent agree with that. I, like I said, I, I, you know, I don't really even smoke that much anymore. Cause like I said, I don't need to once here and there, if I'm hanging out with some people and I just want to relax or whatever, um, yeah. You know, I'll do it. It does help with my anxiety too. So instead of taking like a Xanax or whatever people take for their shit, I would rather just take a hit off something or, you know, whatever, like a bait pen or something, you know? So, um, but I want to talk to you about something that you brought up in one of your videos that I, I find super interesting, which is uh, pareidolia. And for anybody that doesn't know what pareidolia is, um, it's the way that our brain makes sense of patterns and things we put stuff together. It's like some people, you know, there's the face on Mars. Well, there's not really a face on Mars. It's a, it's a mountain uh, range on Mars that certain shadows hit it and it looks like a face. Or um, looking at a cloud and seeing a rabbit. Well, there's not really a rabbit in the cloud. It just looks like a rabbit. Um, yeah. So that's kind of what that is. So why don't you explain um, your experience with that in terms of with DMT and how you were... Um, able to figure some things out with that. Okay, well, um, I think for me, uh, have you ever seen those pictures on Facebook or whatever where they have like um, that that um, computer filter where they like film, um, you know, something and all of a sudden you're seeing dog faces everywhere yeah. and crap. I know what you're talking like, about. Yeah, just because the computer's set to see that. Uh, well, I remember taking psychedelics and, you know, just seeing faces and in, in, in everything where I was like, it, you know, I had to ask myself, is it the case that um, the geometry of the earth is, is so more complicated than I realize that it is allowing for spirits to see us through these objects? Or is it the case that um, my brain has the, the very same um, function as that, you know, that um, the camera thing on the, uh, that sees all the dog faces everywhere? Right. And that's, and that's being affected right now by the psychedelic and I'm seeing faces everywhere. And um, truth be told, I don't know which one would be true. But, you know, that had me thinking about the power of pareidolia. And I thought, well, you know, why is it that I see these faces? And why is it that I have this filter? And why is it when I look into the clouds, I do see images and into complex patterns like trees and stuff? Um, and why is it that that filter is triggered with? And it's like, well, it, it's probably the case, excuse me, it's probably the case that you have that um, filter that allows you to recognize entities in this um, massive energy field that is reality. Um, it just allows you to see faces where there, and then through the faces identify an individual where there really is actually no individual. And um, that's what's, that, I think that's what's kind of happening. That's what the DMT sort of showed me. And um, it's really hard then as well to say that these DMT entities are real 
when I recognize these DMT entities through the same filter. You know, I'm, I'm probably seeing massively complex um, energy fields in my own mind, which contain an intelligence, and then that intelligence is being interpreted through this filter in my mind. I'm seeing this energy field, the next thing my pareidolia filter sees it, and then it creates an entity. So maybe that entity, sorry to cut you off, maybe that entity isn't even really there, but the energy that would make up whatever that is, that's what we're associating it to because that's all we know. So we're putting a face to something that we don't have an idea or percent, maybe it's in the fourth dimension, fifth dimension, whatever. Um, But do you believe that there's a hierarchy among like, so if we're, you know, um, stuck in 3d or we're living this life in this reality do you think there is a hierarchy of entities or do you think um you know maybe once we die we become one of these energies that people try and put a face to i think um uh, there's a video i want to release um which kind of talks a little bit about this um but i haven't put too much thought into it the answer is i don't know um, I, I, it certainly feels like it. I think when they go through these experiences, it's like um, nobody's got the real answer. I'm just curious what your opinion is based on your experience. I know this isn't, you know, right. nobody's got the answers. If we did, we wouldn't be talking about this right now. Right, right. Well, I guess for me, it's it's very. It, I wouldn't say there's one that's better than the other. There isn't one that's more worthy of existence than the other. But I do think that there is a case that there is, like you can compare gas to solid objects uh, uh, through their vibrational frequencies. Like a solid object's a very dense, um, slow vibration, whereas a gas is a very fast and vibrant vibration. I think that something goes on in our trips where there are the entities that are um, able to think, or there are energy fields that are um, far more complex, elaborate, elaborate, uh, sophisticated, and... um, more full of what I'd call positive notions um, than other um, energy fields. And I think the third dimension, the one that we exist in, has access to these higher realms. It also is caught on by these lower realms, um, so to speak. And um, that's, that's, I think, what our depiction of heaven and hell is, is like this, this pull between these two. High vibration realms. versus low vibration. But, yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. Do you ever get, um, I know from talking, I interviewed a guy, uh, Dick Connie's author of uh, DMT and the Occult Mind, and a few other people, this guy Paul, who's done it. Um, a lot of people that I've talked to about this claim to get this like ringing sensation as they're going in, um, like a, a vibration, like a high pitch vibration kind of a thing going on. Have you felt that? Is that something that you've experienced? I don't have a memory of it. I, I, I have heard quite a few people refer to it. And um, uh, no, honestly, I don't remember actually hearing that um, high pitch um, when I was going in. Um, but, you know, that would make sense to me. Um, I, I, you know, there's a lot of like angelic practices in um, spiritual tribes and I think even like yogic practices here. Right. It's like people will like just create high pitch frequencies to cleanse the air. And, you know, it's, we have an association with um, um, high-pitched frequencies with this angelic or this transcendent realm. Um, but, no, to be honest, I, I myself, I, I don't remember hearing um, that when I was going in. I mean, a lot of this stuff makes sense. And if you look at probably one of the best 
scientists of all time, Tesla, you know, he said, if you can understand energy, frequency and vibration, you know, you've, you're on the right track or so I forget what the exact quote is, but, um, you know, and you look at what this guy created, you know, Wi-Fi power and, um, Tesla coil and stuff that we're using right now, you know, this guy invented, 100, 150 years ago, you know, so it's just, it goes to show you that it, you can, you can tap into something. There is something there. Um, yeah. what, what that is in particular, I don't know. Um, some people call it what, like the Akashic record or, um, something like that you can draw from, but, uh, so yeah, I, I, that, that was the one thing that I found interesting. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, cause I, I don't, I'm trying to think, I don't really recall when I used to do, when I was younger, when I did psychedelics, um, seen anything that wasn't really there. I, I, of course you, you imagine things and closed eye things and stuff like that. But, um, I know when you do DMT from everybody I've talked to, you do see things that aren't in, like you're in your room, but you're, you're not in your room, you know? So, um, what uh, what what's the machine elf thing all about? Because I find that the, like I've asked other people about it. Some people haven't experienced it. Other people have. What, on your take, you 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 talk about how they're weaving reality together, like taking this thing from over here and creating these synchronicities. The weird thing about that is, is our our near death episode that we did with our one buddy. Um, he was talking about some book um, when he was in the hospital after he got hit by his car, the semi. Um, and had this whole thing that this lady recommended this book where it talked about exactly what you were describing um, from that experience, which is these entities that are weaving our realities together. Wow. Yeah. Uh, well, see, when it comes to experiencing the, uh, the, the things that aren't there on DMT, um, I actually haven't done DMT on a small dose that many times. Um, the first time I did DMT, it, it was just, I've been looking for it for so long that when I finally got it, I was you just like, blew your load. You're like, I'm going to fucking do this shit. <laughs> yeah, literally, I was like, fuck it. Let's I, like, I'm probably not going to be able to do this again. I don't want to like take half an hour and then not have the breakthrough and not be able to have the breakthrough ever again. It's like, if I'm just going to go for it. So, um, I put everything I had into the pipe and, um, smoked it. Um, and it was probably like way more than I needed because like two tokes in and fucking blast off. (laughs) I see like, you know, at first I see the room changing for sure. I remember the guy I was with, his face, uh, definitely changed. I think it it wasn't just how it looked. It was like the meaning of it. Um, and, and that was as, you know, I'm shifting my mind. I see my friend, he's no longer this person just sitting next to me. He's this impression on space time. (laughs) That's affecting me, and I'm like, holy shit. So, Was know, it like, scary at first? Were you scared? I have to admit, like, uh, probably for about 20 seconds there, I was, I, was, I was pretty terrified. I was like, whoa. Uh, like, I did, it, it just kind of happened so fast, and then as it's hitting me, I realized, oh, you just took DMT, man. Like, this is an intense <laughs> drug. Um, but that's actually how I came to contact the machine else, because I was starting to freak out, and then I just said to myself, calm down. Um, you knew it was going to be like, like this. Just listen to what they are telling you or what you're hearing or something like that. And I was like, well, hold on. Like, what do you mean? Like, I can't hear anything. And then I just started listening. And as soon as I did, um, I, I still felt like my body was being torn apart. But um, all of a sudden, it just seemed like these 
this, uh, these entities or this uh, intelligence came up to my ear and started whispering the most profound truths ever. And what they were saying to me, because I could understand it all, it was taking me away from my um, ego, um, existence as an ego. Um, and it was like, listen, you're connected to this person and that person um, because uh, you, you're, you know, you're both just inhabiting these vessels of um, conscious experience when really you're exactly the same thing. And it just started explaining all this stuff and taking me deeper and deeper and back into my mind. Um, and, you know, but they took me into the white light, which is referred to from near-death experiences. I have my opinion on what the white light is. And then um, I came out of it and I just said to my friend, I, I just met the machine nails kind of thing. <laughs> Um, well, actually, at first, I was still talking to him as if he was one of the machine elves, <laughs> which kind of freaked him out. And then, like, um, and I actually, I was talking to my neighbors as well. I thought I could hear their minds sort of thing. It was, it was a crazy experience. It was crazy. And, yeah. And, um, and, and then I came to back to normal thinking. And, um, and that's when I started referring to them as the machine elves. And the... Because obviously Terence McKenna has called the entities he contacted machine elves, and a lot of people have just said, "Hey, you know, like you've just ripped off Terence McKenna here," and um, that really was not my intention at all. Um, when I came out of the experience, I just well, even if he just, did, isn't it a good explanation? Like Terence McKenna was one of the godfathers of this whole fucking thing. So, like, right, if you're right. using a terminology that he came up with. I mean, food. I'm reading Food of the Gods right now. I mean, if I talk about shit in there, it's not ripping it off. It's like using somebody with practical experience and then building off of, of it, you know, of course. But, um, even so I, like, uh, I, I don't think these entities looked like machine elves, um, uh, in any way, other than the fact that they were machine. Um, I just, it, for some reason, it was an intuitive thing to call them the machine elves. Let me ask you a question. Um, when I meditate, I see these, like when I get deep into it, um, I'll see this like light, it'll be like a ball of light and then it'll start to change its shape from, like a butterfly looking thing into like a machine, kind of like what you're describing, not necessarily like a machine, but I don't know what the fuck it is. It just keeps changing right. form. Um, is that similar to what? I think so. I think that the white light um, has a very deep consciousness and it shares its intelligence through these entities. I think in the same way, it's like you look at old paintings and you see, um, angels coming mm -hmm. down and they speak to the people and they speak on behalf of God, but it's not God communicating directly. It's these angels. And right. I think it's, it's similar. It's like there's the white light, which is God, but then we experience entities, which is kind of these, um, these angels. And it's a translation of the white light. The white light is, um, Peculiar as uh, I, I, after actually one of my weed meditations, I came out saying that the white light was a, um, a stream. Like that, I saw this in the trip. I saw this like great matrix that like we were plugged into these these original entities. There was okay. about three of us, and um, our minds were being connected to all sorts of parallel lives by this white light. You, did and, you say three? Three, yeah. Um, That's interesting. Go on. We'll, we'll bring that up in a little bit, but keep going. Sure. Well, it, it, was, uh, it was like there was these three guys plugged in, and the, um, they were being connected to infinite amount of parallel lives by this white light. 
And the white light was just this thing that connected us to all of the conceivable universes in the multiverse. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's um, basically what the white light said it was, that will reveal itself to be during the trip. Uh, but yeah, go on. What about the three guys? Then? Okay, so I mean, three is a very significant number in religion. Um, obviously, you know, Catholicism, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, um, power of three. I mean, if you go on and on and on and on, uh, mm-hmm. Tesla said the, you know, three, six, nine are the more, most powerful things in the, you know, so like it, it can, you know, go on forever, but I just find that interesting. There's like some mystic stuff. I mean, I, I, I like a lot of fringe stuff cause I like to take little pieces of things that I think are truth from things that are kind of wacky, you know, um, there was this mystic, um, called Baba Vanga. She was a Bulgarian mystic that died not that long ago. Um, and she was blind. Um, but there was one thing she said, I forget where I was watching it, but she said something, there's always three hovering over. There's always three, things watching or something like that so that when you just said that i was like oh shit there, maybe there's something you know to that yeah very interesting i um I, I, yeah um it doesn't surprise me i guess yeah what uh are you familiar with like are you, i mean are you a religious at all or are you familiar with some of the different religions i'm pretty like i'm interested in religion i've um done a bit of googling on uh, uh a few of them but um I don't like follow them religiously. So because Gnosticism is kind of reminiscent of what you're talking about in the sense that, um, we all God, we all are all God pretty much experiencing himself through different avenues. Like we're all spark. We're all a piece of God. Um, and I, I don't want to go into it cause it's kind of complex, but so, you know, this aspect of God emanated, uh, down Sophia created this entity, y'all the oath that's supposedly the God that created our universe. He made it, you know, it, um, a flawed, you know, version of the spiritual realm, if you will. And that's why we experience, you know, love, hate, you know, the right. full range of everything is because it's an error instead of just experiencing love or good or whatever. But I just found that interesting, um, also, the Urantia Papers, which is a, a channeled um, work, but it's actually a really hard book to read, and it's pretty interesting in its its own right that every single thing there is is pretty much God experiencing himself through different avenues, whether it's a dog watching the cat, you watching your friend, whatever. Um, it's him living through everything, pretty much. Right, right. Um, yeah, is that the one with Jin or Jin or something? Okay, like that? so the Jin, I think that's um, that's Muslim. I think. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah, that's Middle Eastern um, tradition. They're like the genies are also known as Jin. Oh, that's oh. because I've I've there's been a few people on um, the Machine Elf video who have been like look into Gnosticism, um, um, and I, I thought it was that one that I found the Jin on, but. Um, uh, but yeah, it, 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 look, it's hard to say because there's so many similarities and um, right. between the religions. It's like you know, um, solipsism even refers to everything as right. being God, and it's like yeah. um, uh, there's so many ways to interpret it. it in fact, sometimes it becomes hard to decipher whether or not you're reading into something too much, or if this all feeds from the same source and it's just being interpreted. Um, in different ways. And um, I would be inclined to think it's the latter. I'd be inclined to think that it does, you know, it's describing a transient experience and should be interpreted in different ways. 
Um, but I, mean, I know that's the hot topic is using psychedelics to possibly explain a lot of the stuff from the Bible and different religious works. I just read um, DMT and the Soul of Prophecy by Dr. Rick Strassman. I don't know if you're familiar with the spirit molecule and stuff. Yeah. Um, that's his second book where he kind of deviates from the academic path and talks about his heritage with Jude- uh, Judaism and why he thinks that maybe people were being selected by God to have endogenous experiences you know, these prophetic experiences that are written about in the Bible and stuff. It's an interesting book. It's worth a read, if nothing else. Um, But I know that that's been a hot topic is trying to explain things via psychedelics, you know? Yeah. Um, It's for me, it's probably the best path for many people because I didn't actually have a great respect for religion until I took psychedelics. And, um, I think it's because, I, you know, I just didn't see how religion could fit into this world um, because of a lot of what it talks about is um, well, a relationship between a, a world that experiences time and a world that is eternal. And, you know, for me, it was like, how does an eternal realm fit into this? It is clearly something that is um, limited or is something that is running out all the time. And then you have these experiences which... Uh, well, it, like, there's, a, there's, you know, the experience of time dilation where you basically take DMT and you're seemingly somewhere for years and then you come back into this world and your friend's just like, hey, man, you're gone for 15 minutes. And you're like, that's impossible. Like, that's weird, too. That's very yeah. weird, yeah. I mean, I know yeah. psych- other psychedelics do it, too, but that's an interesting thing to bring up, too, because we know there's called the atomic clock um, experiment where... They send a clock up in the atmosphere and then have one down below. Um, oh, and, right. and they do a thing. And, and the more gravity there is, the more time slows down. Um, yeah. So, like, what is gravity then if, you can all, if it can also be altered by just taking a substance within your own mind, you know? That's the thing. Like, you know, we just do not appreciate our physical reality at all. And I think that's another way that religion comes into this, because you look at something like Hinduism, where it's a very polytheistic um, belief, and it has specific gods for different aspects of this life. So it attributes a divine um, quality to physical properties. And that's something that I think people should really respect more, because we've taken this very scientific approach, and hey, like science is awesome. Oh, I love science too, but there's flaws. There's flaws. They don't. Re- they don't think of it that way, but there's flaws within it. Yeah, and our interpretation of science isn't objective. Science might be as close to objective as you get, but our interpretation of what science means is far from that. Just and take so a look we, at the double double slit experiment. You know, it'll blow your right. fucking mind. Fucking that changed my life. I think so. <laughs> um, um, you know exactly. So it's like. Um, if, if we realize that our interpretation of life as being just this physical um, thing that science can describe and discern objectively, then you, you're very close-minded. And if you take psychedelics in a high dose, you're going to be rocked. Because that's, that's where I was at. <laughs> like, no, 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 no thoughts away from that. That's where I was at. Yeah. And um, it, it humbled me in a, in, a, in a great way. So I think to help yourself if you are actually thinking about taking a high dose of psychedelics and you just don't see how psychedelics can change your perspective, um, maybe read some religion 
or uh, some religious perspectives and just put some respect towards it and say, hey, maybe there is something going on there that uh, these guys are onto that I can't see. Um, and that way, maybe if you take psychedelics and it starts telling you things that would otherwise contradict your belief, you won't be in, in total horror and, and shock. Uh, but, Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's a good point. I mean, um, I was raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school when I was younger till I got to middle school and then I switched over to public schools. But um, I think having that foundation, though, it made me a better person, you know, um, in the turn. And, you know, it's one of those things where it's good and it's bad. I was sheltered from a lot of things and a lot of thinking and a lot of realities. But then at the same time, it keeps you humble, keeps you moral. Um, you're not doing stupid shit, you know? Um, so I think it's good and bad in that way, if that makes sense. Oh, totally. And, you know, like I I went to Catholic school too. And, um, so much of it is, is founded on, on on wisdom, um, as well as like transient experiences. And, um, you know, like it can save you from, uh, going through the, making mistakes in your life and having to learn from your mistakes. You can just follow a religion and be like, Hey, you know, like, um, this guy, Jesus, he seems pretty onto it. <laughs> well, even just the, I, I hate the people like, was Jesus real or not? Was Jesus real or not? I think, first of all, I do think Jesus was a historical actual figure based on the Pontius Pilate stone, which proves Pontius Pilate is real um, and other artifacts. And, you know, it's called like reverse. Um, I don't know what you call it, where he's, Jesus is written, um, um, people wrote about Jesus in like a derogatory way, meaning that, who would write something negative about somebody that's fake, you know? So um, that's another aspect of it. But just the idea of Jesus as a person, this being that was perfect or led a perfect life or did all the right things or whatever, that's something to strive for that obviously I don't think anybody's accomplished. I mean, everybody's got faults. I don't think, I can't think of anybody that I know that's perfect that hasn't, you know, at least made a handful of huge mistakes. So Yeah, and... Like, it's hard to know um, how Jesus was as a person as well, because I know for me, um, there's a lot of things I stand for, which I wouldn't stand for if at one point in my life I stood for the exact opposite thing. Right. Um, So, like, you know, I think that's also a way in, like, um, if you're anti-racist, there has to be an aspect of yourself that understands racism right. for you to be against it. Otherwise, you'd just be totally blind to what racism really is. Right. Um, and that's the thing. Is like, I, I think that the shadow self um, is kind of needed. This n- non-perfect side of us is kind of needed. Duality. Yeah. We need that duality to have the perfect version of us. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's just like, it's kind of is, if you have that good, it casts a shadow. That's just, right. that's, for me, that seems to be how it is. And in the same way, that's what makes you perfect. And that's okay to have that shadow because um, that's what helps you have the thing that the shadow has been cast by. I think that's one of the most ill-conceived, um, or I guess most passed around things is the ego dissolving thing that people like to say, oh, I'm going to dissolve my ego. Or, oh, I think that's one of the mis- most misconcepted things that people pass around be in the, in from the standpoint of, I think your ego can be a good thing if you feed it good things, meaning, um, right. It doesn't have to be this 
oh, look at me. Oh, you know, it can be a thing where, oh, I'm a competitive person and I'm going to play by the rules and be a good yeah. person, but I'm still going to push this, use this thing to push myself. And I, and, I, and the reason why I say that comes from when I, you know, I, like I said, I have a background in music. I love playing music. I'm a musician recording and playing live and different stuff. Um, there's a certain amount of ego that's involved with that. You don't become a good guitarist from just looking at notes or whatever, you, you know, for me, it was like, I want to become Trey Anastasio from fish, or I want to be like Stevie Ray Vaughan, or I want, you know, I want to achieve this. So there's a certain amount of ego that goes involved, you know, gets involved with that. Um, so I don't think it's all negative. I think if you can keep it humble, um, while still using that as like a drive or like a tool, I think it can be powerful. And I think people misuse it and then just think, Oh, I'm going to dissolve my ego by taking these substances. You know, yeah. I don't think that's the case. And already they they've got the wrong mindset in my opinion anyway, which is that um, they have a big problem with themselves. You know, if you want to help yourself, if you want to put yourself in a state of healing, there's these kind of like, mindsets which will do that and acceptance and self-acceptance is one of those things so if you're going there with the intent of and i know this is the same for meditation at least from what i've heard right. if you're going in there with the intent of changing yourself you've already gone in there with the wrong intent because you are who you are and you've the, the thing that you want to strive for even though that's kind of a paradox is self-acceptance yeah and um you know so if you have an ego instead of putting all your efforts into fighting that ego and, and instead of making an enemy out of your ego, why not use them as a friend? Right. You know, why not say like, cause all of your friends may have qualities that you're not the, you know, you're not too fond of, right. But they give you plenty of, of good as well. And I think that's the same with ego. I think that's the same with most of our qualities because humans have a tendency to wage war on themselves. You know, if we have anger and it does something for us, um, that's, well, not the best once in our life, you know, you get too angry with someone you actually quite like and that ruins the friendship, then, you know, you want to just rid yourself of anger, period. Right. That's not the way to go about it, though. That's just to say, hey, look, anger, we got you kind of unchecked there for a bit, lost control, but you're a part of me, and I, I love myself, and, you know, I know that you're a part of me for a reason, so let's utilize you. Um, and I think that's a better approach than saying anger. I fucking hate you. I wish you weren't there. And <laughs> you know, all the rest of it. No, I mean, I think it's this, like I said, it's like what you just described and it's this like little tool. Like we can keep our ego as like a tool and just keep it in our back pocket, keep it in check. Don't feed it. You know, when you look, I catch myself cause it's like, I'll get in like an ego mode and then it just like starts to snowball. And you before you know it, you're like, Oh, you're saying things that you, you regret saying, or you've done things that you regret doing and you have to like, sure. think about it. And then you catch yourself. Um, lately I've been trying to catch myself before it even gets steamrolling. So, um, but it, sometimes you lose yourself in the moment too. But I think if you can recognize it, that's the biggest thing, you know, you can do for yourself is just acknowledge that it's there, accept it and understand and move on from there. Like you said, you can't go into meditation, assuming that just the meditation is going to fix you. You have to go into meditation, um, use introspection and say, and I like to replay things and be like, fuck, like put myself in the other person's perspective and think about how things would sound or ways things are said or different things and think to myself, I'm not going to say that the same way again, or I'm going to apologize to this person or I'm, you know, things like that. Just because yeah. 
there's no way to just fix it. You, you know, the next time you just have to work on it, you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. And, um, I think uh, a part of that as well is, um, at least what I've found, uh, sometimes I can be a bit maybe harsh on myself, and um, that can actually sometimes give me quite unpleasant trips as well, is when I look back on the things I've done, and um, I'm a little bit, well, quite critical of, you know, how my exchange with someone else. Mm. Um, but, you know, respect that you are working on yourself. And the only reason why you feel bad is because you want to be a good person. You wouldn't feel bad if you, you didn't give a fuck about how other people felt. That's true. And, yeah. And, you know, that feeling of want to help other people, that comes through in your exchanges with them. And um, I think as long as you're forgiving of these other people as well, they'll be forgiving of you. Um, and, and that's, that's a big part of it. I was going to ask you that though. Have you had any super negative? I mean, we've talked, I've heard you talk about your positive ones and your videos and stuff, but have you had any negative ones that's influenced you in a good way from having a negative experience? So before I ever actually did the psychedelics, I advocate, I had quite a bit of experience with synthetic weed, which I am pretty strongly against. I heard that that's some fucked up shit. I know people, well, you see the news too, people doing fucked up shit on it, but I know people have tried it that's out of their fucking minds. It's fucked, man. It's so fucked. And um, Don't do that. No no synthetics. Do not, <laughs> yeah, do, do not use those substances. They are made up substances. They are synthesized in different countries that don't have regulations, that don't give a fuck. Yep. And they're sold by people who don't give a fuck about you at all. And, um, yeah, like the first time I ever had synthetic weed, I thought it was real weed. Um, Someone brought it over and smoked it and was like rocking back and forth on it. And I was like, man, this must be some fucking strong indica or something. (laughs) So, you know, I packed a bunch into my pipe and I smoked it. And, um, you know, t- 10 seconds in, I realized. Did it look, like, did it look like weed? I, I don't know. what the. I've never tried it or seen it. I, uh, I have known nothing it, about it. Once you've seen synthetic weed and know it's synthetic weed, you can recognize it. But at the time, um, it looks just like weed to me. Um, so I just chucked it in and um, smoked it, uh, thinking it was normal weed. And, um, and it even tasted, actually, similar enough to me. Like I, Though it was the pipe, so it probably had, like, residue effects of, a residue taste of um real weed but 10 seconds in i realized it was not weed because i was like having a full-blown ego death um experience and um to this date my most intense trips have been on synthetic weed um but the um the first trip i ever had on it was actually it blew my mind away um and i was like wow that was just so beyond profound not in the same way that dmt and stuff is profound it wasn't like that it was just so mind altering that I was like, well, that's just, I did not even know you could have that experience. So I chased it quite a bit. And, um, I had four experiences on synthetic weed, um, which I was convinced I was going to die simply because it was so painful and negative that I just didn't think a person could live through that. Um, and yeah, I definitely know now that people can take a lot more pain than I thought without dying. That's for sure. But um, it was some fucked, fucked shit. And <laughs> because of those experiences, I um, did a lot of crazy stuff on normal psychedelics. So, you know, I'd mix psychedelics and um, take high doses of psychedelics. And I do so pretty fear free because I always thought to myself, well, no matter how fucked this gets, it's, it's not, not going to get worse than that one. Or, you know. Exactly. Exactly. 
<laughs> so, you know, and um, I, I've probably put myself through a lot more than I would ever go through again. Um, but I, I never really thought of them as negative experiences because they were just, they were nowhere near as negative as the synthetic weed. Well, I mean, I've seen um, people, there's news stories of people eating people's faces off and shit and having, you know, I think a lot of that, like I said before, if somebody's got a mental problem to begin with, you know, depending on what that mental problem is, but you should not be doing psychedelics in the first place. And I think people hear the word weed, they think, oh, it's weed, but it's Synthetic right. weed can be more intense than the most intense psychedelics, like you're saying. So stay away from them. They're bunk. Do not take yeah. them. Yeah. You know, I've always um, had the rule for myself. If it doesn't grow from the ground, fuck it. You know, so. That, that's a good rule because um, uh, it, it's, it's something that I'm not entirely comfortable with talking about because, you know, like I really am a strong advocate of these other psychedelics. And I don't want people to just like hear me as this guy who's like, done drugs that are so fucked as well and then think to themselves well i ain't going near that dmt stuff because he did synthetic weed as well it's right. like look, you know like i admit synthetic weed i took and um you know i don't regret it um because it, it's what fueled a lot of my other trips and my positive thinking in my other trips but there really is just no way on earth i would compare synthetic weed and its trip to any of these others because it's it's not the same type of profound it does not take you to the same places it's just if it's a good trip it's like a, a like when you drink alcohol it's just good because it right. feels kind of good and if it's a bad trip just it, yeah it's it's you don't have to go through that bad well again it's synthetic i think yeah. what makes dmt so special is the fact that like we've talked about, it's an endogenous chemical. It's in our bodies. Yeah. It's in yeah. most of nature and mammals and everything. And yeah. we didn't have the MAOI inhibitors in our gut. You know, you could eat a salad and trip your fucking face off. So um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's weird to think about it like that, right? You know, like I, know, um, I, know. I, I had an experience where I was thinking about that. Um, and I thought about like, what would, what would our life be like? Um, if we didn't have those MAO high inhibitors or what if at some point we didn't have those and that's what brought us here, you know, like, so I, I had a weird think like a mind experiment going on and I had just watched this Ted talk about, um, are we hallucinating our reality? I think was the, the title of it. Um, and it was interesting and thought provoking, but I mean, some of these science guys, they, you know, they look at it through the lens of pure science and reductionism as opposed to, a greater meaning or a greater purpose. So it's tough to take, you know, a lot of these guys at their words that have never experienced some of these things, you know? Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that's why I think there's such a different, um, sense of, um, profoundness in these experiences because DMT is shared with all these different organic forms. So when you smoke it, it does really seem to take you to a place that you're familiar with that is really fleshed out and full of meaning because it's, it's probably something that belongs to not only you, this, this transiting realm, I mean, because it's probably something that belongs to a lot of other organic forms and it's just in the back of your mind there and it's just not, you can't be connected to it because of your specific chemical wiring. But if you take back that wiring, then we all have that same base existence um, probably. Um, and I think that's why... And, you know, you go to the same place as well on LSD and um, magic mushrooms sometimes um, as well, which is really interesting. Um, and that's something hard to wrap your mind around. But 
I guess there are certain drugs that just um, would, I guess, open your third eye, so to speak, and take you to the same realm of existence. And that's why even getting back into the negative trip question, I think the difference between negative trips on traditional psychedelics and negative trips on something like synthetic weed is that negative trips on traditional psychedelics can show you things. And they can be negative because they're teaching you things that you just didn't really want to acknowledge in yourself. Right. Um, I have had probably one bad trip on traditional psychedelics, and it wasn't bad for the whole thing. Um, it was when I took about three grams of mushrooms, and um, I took it when I was in a really kind of a bad headspace. I bad just, idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And but it can um, be you can get positive out of it too. But yeah, that's oh, you never want to go into something like that with a negative or some like traumatic thing or family event, like so anything negative that that can be associated. You never want to go in with that hanging over you. Unless you want to have a negative experience, because that's, that's what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, that is what started happening, is I just started feeling an overwhelming sense of fear and anxiety and sadness at once. And I had no idea where it was coming from, so I also felt powerless. And, um, and then finally, luckily, because I'd taken acid and it told me that I had a lot more power in each moment than I, I realized, I said to myself, hey, I don't have to think so negatively right now. And I don't have to be this sad. And I kind of latched onto that thought. And through that thinking, it actually showed me the cause of it. And um, it showed me that I'd kind of wronged a friend of mine. So I immediately messaged that friend, apologized sincerely. And it was like a curse had been lifted and it just stopped being negative immediately. Like it was seriously profound. So in in that way, I, I think that these psychedelics that I advocate, these what would be referred to as like the traditional psychedelics or the um, serotonergic psychedelics, they are the ones that uh, are there to help you and they are there to show you and teach you and have things that have their own consciousness, so to speak, and their own intelligence that when you take them are shared with you. And uh, it's those ones that I advocate, not the ones that just fuck up your own intelligence. Right. So it's like, you know, you can learn from weed. Anybody who knows smoking weed is not just like it fucks you up. It can make you think very deeply. Sure. Um, that's not the same. Most of the time, that's not the same with alcohol. Most of the time, that's not the same with um, snorting cocaine or, mm -hmm. um, you know, these other drugs. So um, everyone's different. Everyone uses drugs differently. But for myself, I kind of stick to the rule of like, hey, if it's not there to really teach you something and if it doesn't have that effect, it's probably not good for you. It's an interesting concept. I just I want to go back to the one thing about pareidolia real quick. Um, sure. Like I said, I I, I'm, I don't know how far I am. I think I'm like halfway through Food of the Gods. Um, but part of it in the beginning talks about, um, obviously people have heard the stoned ape theory. I know Joe Rogan always talks about it. People you know now make fun of it. But I think um, after reading part of this book so far, there's some there's some cool stuff in there that that. I think could relate because like you were well, talking about, I don't know much about it. So I'd love to hear. Um, okay. So like the thing you were talking about pareidolia, I mean, Terrence McKenna talks about how um, maybe eating mushrooms um, created more of a visual IQ for us, you know, through evolution. Uh, so we're allow you know, allowing us to better facial recognition, smoothing of edges, that kind of a thing. Um, so what you were saying about how, when you go into there, that kind of a thing dissolves would make sense from the standpoint of maybe that's how we used to be 
before we've developed this other uh, side of things, if that makes yeah, sense that, to you. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was the case, because it does seem to take you back to a very primordial form of existence. It's like, um, this is what you were before anything was subjected to evolution. <laughs> that's right. kind of how it, that's how it feels. It's just and that's like, what I was just saying, too, about wondering what it would be like without having the MAO high inhibitors and, like, constantly... Yeah. Um, you know, it's crazy to think about. I mean, I don't know. I don't know the science on that. I'm sure scientists can probably pinpoint roughly when we developed those, um, those receptors, you know, but I think the other thing too, is, is what you were saying about the serotonin. Um, a lot of these psychedelic drugs play off of your serotonin that pe- most people don't realize that they either like replicate or play off of that and I think that's why they help people with depression, OCD, anxiety, whatever, because um, it's maybe be filling in the gaps or reigniting something that's been lost in you know with those receptors, you know. Yeah, that's interesting because uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think the when I'm in my highest moments on psychedelics and I'm not feeling any of the anxiety or sadness that I otherwise would feel. Um, it does feel like I'm connected to a truth, um, a true form of existence. And so it does seem like somewhere along our evolution, we've been listening to ourselves and we've been disconnected from the outside world or something like that. And we've turned to our internal thoughts and we've gotten lost in them a bit. And like, you know, it's, it's cool in its own way because it's probably thinking, overthinking that's caused civilization. Um, but at the same time, it's over, overthinking that's brought about depression and longing and um and uh, a lack of worth and you know everything else that comes with it um but yeah no that's pretty interesting um do you think would you um put credit in the stone egg theory um, after reading this book i think there's more to it than i thought there was if that makes sense um yep. i like to look things through a critical lens usually and i take the bits and pieces whether it's fringe or mainstream or whatever it is Um, I take the bits and pieces that fit with my, I'm trying to develop my own theory of everything or my own truth platform, if that makes sense. Um, you know, and I've looked at every, I've looked at biocentrism, which is Dr. Robert Lanza that we create, uh, reality through our biology, like, you know, um, and it builds this memory and that's an interesting thing. The, there's uh, Tom Campbell's my big toe, which is we're living in a simulation, um, oh, yeah. that's just like platform. I mean, are you familiar with simulation theory at all? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've heard a few of them. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've looked at a lot of those. Um, I'm just trying to get my own to my own truth, if that makes sense. And it's just something that fascinates me and I'm drawn to the, and that's why we started this podcast is, um, I started getting interested into this and I hadn't really been a big book reader since obviously school, you know, ended. Yeah. Um, and I recently, the last few years have been reading a lot of books, listening to a lot of books, read, watching a lot of YouTube videos, listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, I'd rather listen to a podcast now than listen to music and <laughs> a musician yeah. too. So yeah. if that says anything, um, but I'm just, I'm just a big information um, gatherer, if that makes sense. And um, kind of using my OCD for, for good in that, in that sense. Right. Um, but yeah, I would just say that I think that there's probably something more to the stoned ape theory than, you know, when it's described, it's like, oh, they came down from the trees and ate cow patties. But there's a whole scientific side of that book that 
people usually don't talk about. And they've talked about it when Dennis McKenna has been on Joe Rogan and stuff. But when people mention it in passing, it's like, oh, you know, whatever. And I I just think that um, um, it was weird, too, because it popped up as the top thing on my Audible. And I had a free credit for the month. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, let's let's give this a fucking whirl. Um, Mm. And and just listening to it, it's just... um, yeah, I think that I don't necessarily think it's the answer to evolution, but I mean, our brains definitely have doubled and tripled in certain points of evolution that really can't be described. The best other academic explanation is we started to cook our own food and the proteins from that built a bigger brain. You know, same thing with how we became more hominid from the, our ancestors, which is we were eating sweet fruits from the trees, you know, stuff like that. So I don't know enough to obviously dispute those things, but I think anybody that's taken these substances can see that um, they have a huge impact for sure. So that's the thing is um, I think if you have a high enough intelligence uh, or at least a high enough curiosity, um, you're naturally going to go about thinking a lot more and questioning a lot more after a psychedelic experience. Um, so I can imagine easily an ape of um, a, a decent intelligence and a decent curiosity. I mean, apes have that curiosity because they make right. tools. You don't have the longing, you don't have the wonder of, hey, I wonder if this rock can help me in a way if you don't have that curiosity in your mind. Right. So if they were to take psychedelics, I can imagine it would propel their curiosity and their questioning and their thinking. And um, in, a, in a very real way, I do think that those things um, could be responsible for a, a massive um, surge in intelligence and a massive surge in um, civil thinking. Um, but, yeah, um, I haven't done much research on stone egg theory. Uh, either, well, like I said, myself. it's worth looking into. I mean, look, yeah. you're, you're into all this stuff. I, I, think, um, I think it's one of the better psychedelic reads pertaining to like that kind of a scientific aspect that I've read. Um, um, and like I said, I mean, I'm into all sorts of stuff. You know, I read books on like physics and quantum physics and quantum entanglement and all sorts of shit like that. So, and that's, what's pointed me also in this direction is a lack of scientific proof too. You know, we're just supposed to accept, Oh, this is science and science is basically just another religion in the sense that, you know, we're told that time is the fourth dimension, but there's no proof that that's the case. And you got the top, you know, physicists like a Sean Carroll who, you know, goes on and on and on about how, you know, consciousness is just a byproduct of biology, just like how, when we breathe air, um, we can't see air, but we're breathing it kind of thing. Like that's his analogy, but, um, you know, and yet they use math and, and probability, but they can't actually prove anything. And the fact that our, or our universe is made up of like 95% of dark matter. We don't even know what dark matter is. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just gotten into the gravitational wave thing, you know? So there's all sorts of crazy shit going on in the universe that we just have no concept of yet. We sit here and pretend to ourselves that, you know, the new, you know, reductionist Newtonian outlook that whatever is here is, is here and that's all that there is you know it's it's crazy like it was actually uh, technically metaphysics i guess that got me into thinking about parallel universes and that sort of thing um do you believe like the multi the multiverse theory is that are you yeah i I would say i do i'd say after reading up on the split uh the slit um experiment and how your perception determined which reality existed 
um, I, I, that like that blew my mind when I read that experiment. And, um, I think that probably has played a part in my interpretation of my psychedelic experiences as well. Um, but yeah, when I, when I read that, I just thought to myself, you know, how can we take the concept of what we see as real when there is technically science in front of us that is trying to contradict that as well. Right. Um, so I would definitely agree with you right now as well that science for many people is also the, the modern-day religion. Well, and it, it, like I said, it's lacking, dude. Like, people shit on religion, but, I mean, it's the same thing. It's we're, yeah. we're, we're just guessing that the Big Bang happened. What happened before the Big Bang? Now that they're saying that there was something before and it was just this dense cloud that, you know, and then now they're saying, oh, it could be a cycle, and then we're going to go back to that dense cloud and then re-Big re Bang over and over and over and over again. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it, you know, who knows? I Actually, I recommend that you read... Um, Tom Campbell's My Big Toe, which is the simulation theory book. He was a, he worked for NASA. He's a kind of a credible scientist um, uh, who talks about like OBEs and meditation and stuff. Oh, wow. um, he also talks about the double slit experiment and how it can be replicated possibly on like a bigger scale, you know, whether it was a microwave or a person or whatever. So um, there's some interesting stuff there. The thing I think that his work lacks, though, is what we're talking about, which is psychedelics. He he, yeah. met, he briefly mentions it and says, "I have no need to do them. My mind is my main tool. I don't want to fuck with it." Kind of a thing, you know. Like that's his take on it. So I think that's where his theory loses me is not even taking into. He doesn't even have to do them, in my my opinion, but just to acknowledge that that's just another aspect of it, you know. So I think that a, a, a lot of people probably don't appreciate what psychedelics are as well, and are just a bit afraid of them. You know, if if you've only had experience with drugs through like alcohol or um prescription drugs then you probably think psychedelics just aren't what they are right yeah absolutely yeah well let's wrap it up here it's we've been actually talking for a lot longer than i thought we had. we're definitely gonna have you on again we'll get you back on here when we got the full team of mike and maurice um but let's plug your stuff so you got uh your channel trip whip do you have any other websites or anything or no it's just trip whip just just um, trip whip check it out yep <laughs> um, um and you can check us out at mike and maurice's minds or mike and maurice mind escape.com and uh, our patreon account patreon.com backslash mike and maurice um jack dude this has been awesome it's probably one of the better back and forths i've had in a while uh, you know pertaining to this specific subject and uh, i just want to thank you again for coming on Thanks so much for having me, man. This is, as I said, uh, probably the first podcast thing I've done, and um, it, was, it was freaking fun. So I'd love to come back, that's for sure. Awesome. Well, we got plenty left in the tank. There's a ton of other shit we didn't even get to, so we'll get awesome. to that next time. But uh, thank you all again, and peace out.